This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Okay, welcome back to Sportsbook. We are going to stick with boxing. Uh, loyal listeners will remember that just last week we had ESPN's Jeremy Schapp on the program talking about the new 30 for 30, 42 to 1, about the big upset in 1990 of Mike Tyson when Buster Douglas knocked him out. We are going to stick on the subject of boxing. We have talked a lot in this program about DAZN, the UK-based streaming service that has now launched in the U.S. with boxing as its main entry point. Uh, They have exclusive deals with Canelo Alvarez, exclusive deals with announcer Michael Buffer, and with Eddie Hearn's Matchroom Boxing. Uh, Recently here at Yahoo Finance, we even had Vladimir Klitschko on one of our shows. He was talking about DAZN. We've now had Michael Buffer on the program, and very pleased today to bring in Joe Markovsky. He is an executive with DAZN, and he joins me now to discuss. Hey, Joe. Good to see you. How are you doing? Yeah, terrific. Um, Let's get into it. You know, this weekend, as we record this, we have the Canelo-Rocky Fielding fight. Uh, We just recently had the big Wilder Fury fight, Mm. and that was terrific. Uh, So it's a good time to be talking about kind of the state of boxing in the U.S. And obviously for you, that is something that you guys have to think about because you are trying to grow in North America. Mm. Uh, You have a product that already has a lot of traction outside North America, Mm. but you want to get paid subscriptions here in the U.S. and fair to say boxing is is the way to do it at first that's the rights you guys have i know you have a mma as well but tell me about kind of trying to launch with uh, with boxing and trying to hook american sports fans with exclusive fights yeah you're you're right to say that boxing and fight sports more generally was our sort of stage one entry point to the us we we looked at the market um as we do in any market we look at and and, and looked at which sports fans here in the us were being underserved by the broadcast model um, available to them and for us fight sports stuck out like a sore thumb in that um, under the previous model that the model we're challenging the pay-per-view model and, and premium uh, cable tv package model um, boxing is an insanely expensive sport to follow um, i'm british you can probably tell that um, but i look at the cost of being a sports fan in the u.s and it's dramatically higher than, than any other market yeah. that i've spent any time in um, a basic cable package Laid on a sports package gets you probably to 200 bucks a month, maybe 250. And then if you're a boxing fan, on, if you want to consume the bigger moments in the sport, you're asked to shell out, you know, several times a year, 75 to 100 bucks in a pay-per-view fee um, just to follow the sport and to follow the big fights. So we we think that's unfair. We think it's fan unfriendly, and our model is aiming to course correct that, making top-tier fight content available to um, to fans at a far more affordable, flexible. Uh, price point and proposition um, and that's a model we've had tremendous success with in other markets of the world as you said and um, yeah fight sports is phase, is phase one of our of our launch in the US yeah you talk about pay-per-view uh, and the limitations there and how expensive it gets uh, totally valid and that's something that uh, all the people associated with DAZN have discussed uh, you know I spoke by phone with uh, John Skipper former mm. ESPN president who's overseeing things now we've also had in the CEO of DAZN uh, James Rushton CRO now. It's like okay. um, we've, we've broadened the group, but yeah, James was the founding CEO of DAZN. Yeah. Um, Simon Denyer's our yes, Simon. form group c- yep. CEO, and he's now the DAZN CEO. But um, yeah, James is a great guy. 
Yeah, so everyone mentions pay-per-view. There's, there's that part of it. There's sort of using the cost of pay-per-view as a marketing tool to say, hey, look, that model's broken. This makes more sense. Mm. But separately, I mean, another sort of hurdle is just kind of the sentiment around boxing in the U.S. I mean, mm. you know, when we talk to real uh, sports writers who've been doing this for decades, everyone kind of talks about the glory days of boxing. Mm. And boxing was once, you know, every big fight was a major national event. And now in the U.S., that isn't always the case. I mean, every once in a while you get something like a Mayweather package or a Mayweather-McGregor, which was a spectacle, but it, it just generates huge money. But then you also have fights that are big fights within the boxing world, but they just don't get the level of attention in the U.S. they should, like, you know, uh, the fight between Wilder and Fury. Yep. So talk to me a, a little bit about that. I mean, sort of how you think we can bring boxing back in the States, make it big again, and maybe part of it relies on a guy like Canelo. You have an exclusive deal with Canelo. Maybe he's the answer, and he can make boxing big again in the yeah. States. Your, your first question is connected to the second question, or my answer is connected to the second answer. The reason that boxing has plateaued slightly and the audience has probably declined in the last 15, 20 years is because the model and the access to the sport is insanely expensive. And the working man or woman um, hasn't consumed boxing as readily as they used to because the cost of doing so is so dramatically high. Um, we feel that... Um, Introducing, injecting a uh, far more fan-friendly, far more accessible model like we bring at a far lower price point um, will uh, appeal to the casuals in a way that content mm. used to. The casuals, and, I like that. And, and ultimately grow the size of the, 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 the population that are consuming boxing. Now, it's not the only thing you need to do. You need to market, you need to tell the stories, you need to have very high-quality promotion, hence why we've partnered with uh, primarily two boxing promoters in, in Golden Boy and in Matchroom. Um, and I, I'm confident in that because I look at the UK um, and I look at what Eddie Hearn has done there. He has made um, superstars out of boxing in the UK. Anthony Joshua being the best example. Tony Bell, who's just retired um, after a, you know a, a glittering last two or three years of his career. They're household names in the UK. Um, the cost of accessing that content is significantly lower there than it is here. Uh, and, and, and the event and the spectacle is um, is good fun. Uh, it's stitched into the national conversation, like, like you said, boxing used to be here. And so if we can su be successful in applying that model alongside the broadcast model that we bring to this market, um, there's no nothing to say that boxing can't return to its sort of great, the, the roots it had in this country as one of America's great sports. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's sort of some, some foundations of our strategy here with, with boxing and fight sports. Yeah, and uh, DAZN has really begun its marketing rollout. I wrote about this a few weeks ago, but... Uh, I think it launched in, back in September with its first fight in the U.S., but then more recently, uh, DAZN has started really showing uh, these ads you mm. know, that, that run on TV. They run during NFL games. Uh, I mentioned Michael Buffer. He's in the ads. It, it's Buffer standing in the ring, and he's with Canelo. Talk to me a little bit about the sort of brand image that DAZN is going for. I mean, obviously, when you start paying to run ads during an NFL game, you know, snap your fingers just like that. Uh, you are now going to be at least known to a much larger number of mm -hmm. American sports fans, many of whom, fair to say, they've never heard of this. They see the logo, they don't know what that is. They might even, you know, Dazen, D-A-Z-N, what mm -hmm. is that? And they see that it's Michael Buffer, they know who he is. Maybe some of them know Canelo, maybe some of them don't. But what is uh, sort of the, the image you're going for? You know, it's, it's lighthearted, but you want people to know this is a sports streaming service, it's nine ninety nine. Yeah, it, we're, we're lighthearted because we need to cut through. Um, I'm always, I'm, I'm con I continue sort of eight, nine months living here in the US just amazed by how much noise there is in America, just around sport, around entertainment, around celebrity. Cutting through that noise is 
the, the, arguably the hardest thing for a new brand, especially a foreign one, to do. Mm. Um, I think our name actually helps that. It's sort of the kind, you know, if we were called um, a more generic name, I think people would sort of it would pass people by uh, and, and not catch their attention. So I think our name helps us. It kind of prompts a conversation, like you said, about how to pronounce it, which which we like. Um, the sort of uh, positioning of our ads on major sports um, broadcast events like NFL games or Premier League soccer games on NBC, for example, um, is really important because, as you say, it, it, it delivers a brand awareness amongst our target demographic of, of sports fans, both core boxing fans, but also the broader sort of casual audience who are going to be interested in the Canelo Alvarez fight, maybe not uh, the sort of BAU boxing on a Saturday night. Um, we have to appeal to both those groups of people, um, obviously one significantly larger than the other. Um, so yeah, it, 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 we, we design those ads, we place those ads with that with that simple message of or simple ambition of cutting through and delivering a very simple message. You would have seen the sort of ads p- sort of pivoted last week to more of an educational message. Mm. That was obviously a tactical thing we thought out. You know, it is basically an OTT service. You download the app like you would with Netflix, like you would with Hulu, and you put it on all your connected devices and you watch great content. Um, with a free first month trial and rolling onto a low cost subscription. So um, the education here will be easier than it was when I lived in Japan. For example, a far less mature OTT market where a service like Netflix has not got the penetration that it does here. People understand this stuff here. The consumer is very familiar with OTT and um, it's about us reinforcing that we are like that. It's very simple, it's a fan friendly, uh, multi-device, very accessible, very flexible service that that works very simply in in your pocket and on your on your big screen on your living room wall. So that's the, that's the sort of aim of the advertising. Uh, you say there's a lot of noise in America. That that's so true. <laughs> now also in America is a lot of long entrenched rights deals that mm. are very limiting for any other partner that wants to get in. Very expensive. You know, as a result, in other countries like in Canada, you've got NFL streaming. Yep. Uh, in Japan, as you mentioned, you've got baseball streaming. We've got everything in Japan. Yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Uh, in America, not so easy. And so you start off with these rights in boxing with MMA. You've got some some MMA fighting. But, uh, you know, for a sports fan who sees the ads for DAZN during NFL and they say, well, for now, you know, I don't care about boxing. I don't need to care about this. Yep. Uh, how soon down the road can they expect more things on DAZN? How important is that? I mean, you want to get the foothold with boxing, see how many people you can get with just that. But then pretty quickly to compete with other offerings, mm-hmm. you know, now ESPN Plus is out there and they have a lot of different types of sports on there. Uh, you know, how, how important is it to quickly ramp up and beef up what is on the service? We're doing that from March. We announced a, a partnership with the MLB maybe a month ago. Uh, we'll be delivering a daily live show throughout the regular season that will deliver sort of live look-ins to all ongoing uh, MLB baseball games, um, unrestricted, full access across the league. So uh, sort of a, we call it a conference feed, uh, unrestricted ability to dive into games and show the most exciting moments uh, in a similar way to how, how Red Zone works for the NFL, for example. It's like a highlight show. It's a live look-in highlight show, so best moments live, um, and we'll, we'll curate that uh, night by night and tell the story of the full the full league. Um, the crucially attracting thing or factor to, to that set of rights for us was obviously domestic content, um, a, a huge brand. Um, it says a big statement to the market, the sports media market, that we are not just a sports uh, or boxing broadcaster, we're a multi-sport broadcaster, mm. uh, but also gives a, a regular output, daily output of high-quality programming that is going to retain as well as attract subscribers. So the guy or girl that comes in on a Saturday night in March or April to watch a high-quality boxing event will have far more reason to consume content on the zone and thus stay as a subscriber on the zone. 
um, from March. And that, that we recognise that whilst um, fight sports have these huge acquisition moments of, of peak interest, um, somewhat irregularly uh, and somewhat difficult to plan, you can't run a subscription business like ours purely with fight sports. You, you need a broader content offering that, that delivers more regular content. Um, so that I would see if, if fight sports acquisition and market entry was phase one, that was phase two. We actually had that penciled in to start in sort of 2020, but the opportunity with the MLB was just too good to turn down. Right. Um, we've had lots of knocks on the door, as you can imagine, from um, every content sales person under the sun. Um, and we've, we've, we've taken some of those conversations forward that make sense. The MLB one made the most sense, and hence why we've invested in partner with the MLB. So that um, is, a, is a game changer for us. Longer term, you're right, some of the major pay TV deals are, are locked in from a couple of years in the early part of the 2020s, uh, sort of big packages with the, um, the big four leagues, MLB included, NFL, NBA, NHL, will, will come back to market. If we've been successful with our boxing and MMA content and our baseball content, um, we will go to our board and say, we need Time to this, for game. this much money to go after this package of rights. Yep. That, uh, and, we, and we will, um, in the next two years, obviously deliver our numbers and, and assess the market to assess which sets of rights as they come to market we're going to go after. Um, that's a big challenge for me and my team in, in North America. It's something that you mentioned, John Skipper, we talk about regularly. Um, that's a couple of years away, but we're thinking about it already. It's very much our ambition to be at the table when those rights come back to market. Now, also, what's interesting there is that even though the full deals come up in a few years, it does also appear that every year, subtly, gradually, every league is also giving a few games to a streaming partner here and there. Mm. It's sort of like, okay, we still have CBS, we still have Monday Night Football on ESPN, I'm talking NFL, but also we're showing 10 games this year on Amazon Prime. Mm. Uh, and then Amazon renewed that for another one more year, so 10 Thursday Night Football games. Major League Baseball, I believe there's one game of the week that's on, it might be ESPN Plus, and, and that's it, you know, one live game. So even before the full packages are up, there are ways in which you know you've got envision that maybe DAZN can get in there with just a smaller package. I mean, it, yep. it looks like the leagues are telling TV partners, "You're still our TV partner, but they you're going to have to accept we're also giving a few streaming yep. games over here to this tech partner." Yeah, it, and it serves a number of objectives for the big leagues. One, this is new technology; um, it's um, it's something they want to test out before they, in a couple of years' time, have a decision to make. I'm sure, be it with us, be it with someone else. To, they'll have proper bids from 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 new media companies right. for premium rights that are currently held on traditional linear pay television. Um, they will test the water, want to work out which partners they like working with, um, the success, the metrics they can consume, um, which is very different to linear broadcast. You can you can understand a lot more about your fan base, especially a younger fan base. I mean, that is a how um, long they watch people, when they turn pe it off. People overlook that. I mean, it is a significant competitive advantage. Linear broadcast metrics like a Nielsen is literally a finger in the air they can say we think this many people watched that game last night they can't say how long they watched it for what device they watched it on how many people are likely to be in the room it's all just lick your finger and put it in the air is that a Britishism that's a good analogy here I don't yeah. heard that um, yes <laughs> no, sorry I'm just uh, speaking my American no, in good. my American it, cliches it rather than really my well. British maybe, ones maybe it's common and I just hadn't heard it but yeah. it works quite well yeah Chris is, Chris is coaching me on that <laughs> um, but yeah look I, I think um, that's a definite competitive advantage for us the data we sit on and it's starting to inform significant investment decisions for us you know we've been in uh, Germany, Austria, Switzerland Japan for just over two years. We launched in the summer of 16. We've been in Canada for, for just over a year. 
we have made decisions not to renew rights based on uh, major rights that you probably five years ago would have gone we, we need that content we've said we don't need that content because the data tells us we don't need that content or we've gone after sets of rights that traditionally we wouldn't have gone after because we've looked at it and said this set of consumers that are really important to us have demonstrated behaviors that suggest that this set of rights will further engage with our content so that gives us um that gives us a a, a significant leg up against traditional linear broadcasters who don't have that level of uh, understanding of their audiences um, and that, that's only going to continue to grow as we as we scale in more markets and deliver more content. We have bigger, bigger databases. So, definite competitive advantage. I, I've always been, as a relatively young person in this industry, I've always been amazed at how much money moves around the sports media industry based on gut feel, mm-hmm. precedent, and fingers in the air. It's remarkable. Entrenched powers. Entrenched uh-huh. powers and the gut feel of executives, uh, you know, sitting in boardrooms at, at media companies and broadcasters. It's insane. Um, we, we, we and other digital new media OTT broadcasters will start challenging that, and my genuine personal belief is that will start significant, significantly altering how rights in this industry are traded. There'll be guys with, with MacBooks running models, not guys on golf courses mm. doing, doing deals over handshakes and mm. beers. It will change. You're starting to. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned again that quick rundown of the other countries. You know, you said Germany, Austria, Switzerland, there's Japan, Canada. Um, you know, because you're in so many other countries and have been for a couple of years, now trying to enter the U.S., how important is the U.S. for DAZN? I mean, we make so much of it because here we are in, in New York City, but, you know, it, it might not necessarily be that, you know, DAZN has to succeed right away in America to, to be a successful company. You're already having success elsewhere. <clears throat> Absolutely having success in other countries. I, um, we're a British business. Um, We've launched in Germany, Austria, Switzerland in 16, Japan. We launched in Canada in the summer of 17, uh, primarily with NFL rights, which we've added to with the other European soccer rights. Since that point, um, we've also launched in Italy. This summer just gone, just immediately prior to the US. And we've announced Syria, Syria, three games a week. So, for example, um, Juventus are playing Torino this weekend. Ronaldo playing for Juventus against Torino. In its domestic market, that's exclusively being broadcast on the zone as one of three games a week that we get. So, um, huge immediate upsurge in brand awareness, subscriber consumption in Italy. Um, we've announced our intention a couple of weeks ago to launch in both Spain and Brazil in the early part of 2019. So that will take us to nine markets, two and a half years into our journey, which is quite remarkable growth. Explains a lot of the the bags under my eyes personally, um, but um, we're delivering in those markets, and that's growing the appetite of our investment group which is consistent since we started um, to continue um, supporting that growth and and the US is absolutely strategically as well as commercially important to us obviously the most established sports media market in the world the world's biggest economy um, uh, the the home of OTT um, in the most mature OTT market Um, so um, from from a number of angles, the U.S. is is hugely important for us as as we grow internationally. You, you know, a bit like a band, you've got to make it in America, um, and that's the, that's the challenge to to me and the team in North America. We've got to we've got to make this thing work here, and we're starting to do that, and we're, we're excited by the early results. You know, we touched on this a moment ago in terms of the rights deals beginning to change, but when you look down the road at the the landscape for sports broadly, you know, in ten years, not only will those TV broadcast deals and the way they're structured for so long change, we all think, or at least hope. But what else do you see changing, or or what does the landscape look like in terms of how we consume live sports? Because even though so much is made about streaming and so much is made of cord cutting, I also think it's a little bit like 
the death of brick and mortar retail stores. It's been a little over exaggerated. Mm. You know, linear cable, it isn't dead. I mean, certain events, the Super Bowl, live events, mm. a lot of people in America still sit down in front of their TV and watch it on the local channel. Mm. Uh, so what does the landscape look like in 10 years? Especially I mentioned how Amazon streams 10 NFL games now. Mm. Uh, I believe Twitter gets an MLB game of the week that's shown mm. live on Twitter. Uh, so expect more of this, expect more you know, multiple partners instead of exclusive. What do you think it looks like in 10 years? Uh, I think in lots, lots of things will change in, in, in 10 years. Um, I look at sport as the entertainment genre that is, has been slowest to react to this technological yeah. um, development. Linear TV is dramatically different now than it was five years ago in every market in the world because of services like Netflix. Um, my dad's generation might not watch Netflix in the same sort of volume and percentage of their consumption that um, that allows linear TV to, to continue bubbling away. But as they grow older and are a smaller percentage of the population, sorry, Dad, um, and the younger generation come into it, that's only going to accelerate. The generation that originally got the discs sent in the mail. I know my yeah, parents had that. Exactly. And one I'm, individual I remember, disc at a time. I remember going to a, a VHS rental store on a Friday night with my family to, yeah. to scrap over the last three copies of Home Alone or whatever it was. That, We're the last generation that will remember that. We yeah. will. Um, and, and I'm already recognizing significant behavioral differences in the generation half below me who are coming into the workforce in how they consume content, how they think about things, the speed at which they need to be satisfied by a service. Um, sport's just three or four, five years behind that um, because of the way rights are traded in sport and the length of those deals. Um, the great thing sport has, it's the only one of those entertainment genres, if you look at entertainment TV and music and sport, um, it's the only one that demands people to come at a certain time. Live sport is not going to disappear. You have to watch an NFL game at a certain time it loses its value as soon as it's finished because you increasingly will know what's happened and you'll lose your interest so um, sport will, will, will catch up with the other with the other entertainment genres um, and I think at that point that's why the, the sort of the early 2020s trading of the major rights in North America is going to be so interesting is that our services like ours will have we will we have established ourselves well enough proven our models work well enough to, to win those rights bids us and others um, or will they do one more term or mm, right. uh, half a term a shorter term uh, or a split of rights it'd be really really interesting just intellectually just, just, just to watch what happens there obviously I'm biased to what I want to happen um, but that'll be really interesting I don't think it's that far away from happening I think it's probably two two years that's the that's the, that's the right cycle shift that will that will demonstrate um, the catching up of sport to the other entertainment genres in my opinion alright it's all very interesting uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to when we can hear some numbers on how quickly DAZN is growing in the U.S. That'll be fun. Yeah, don't hold your breath. We're a, we're a private <laughs> business. We keep those behind our, uh, you know, close right. to our chest. But look, we're, we're really comfortable where we are. We're obviously growing internationally. Um, this weekend's huge for us. It's, I think, the, the first uh, event of, of, of scale that would have traditionally been a pay-per-view broadcast for us here in the U.S. So, um, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see how the numbers go and, and and look forward to a solid 2019 schedule Canelo as well. Canelo versus Rocky. 
can add a verse can sign up right now and get a free trial if they want to watch. They can. In all your app stores, download it now. Awesome. There we go. Okay, Joe Markovsky with DAZN. Thanks so much. Thanks for your time. Thank you. All right, we always love to hear what you guys are thinking, and especially your take on this new streaming service trying to launch. I have written about DAZN a good amount. Uh, I really want to hear whether you are enticed, whether you're a boxing fan or not, and we will be watching DAZN as a business more and more, and when they get more rights, I'm sure we'll have in some more guests from the company. This is Yahoo Finance Sportsbook. Remember, you can rate, review, and subscribe. Do that, and we will hear you and talk to you next Thursday. We come out every Thursday morning. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.